I'm Angela. Hey, I'm Adrian. And, and we're Black, we're women, black women in Europe. Europe. We're going to get that right one time. Yeah, one day, one day. Maybe we should just pre-record it. <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm in Germany and Adrian is in Sweden. And before we be introduce you to our great guest, um, I'd like to ask you, let you know that you can subscribe to our podcast on most major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Amazon Music, Audible, and many more. I'm Spotify. Oh yeah, and Spotify too, that's right. Uh, you can also see a video version of this podcast and podcast extras on our YouTube channel. So be sure to check out our link tree that's in the show notes for this podcast to check out all of our social media and internet around the globe. Um, if you'd like to be on our podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, please contact us at podcast at blackwomeninyurope.com. That'll also be in the show notes. And that goes straight to Angela FY. So. Yeah. So hopefully I'll answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, but you know uh, what you said before you introduce our amazing guest this is actually our first guest. That's right. You are our first guest and she is here with me in sweden not in the same town but our very first guest so welcome dc woman hey welcome. hi hi great to be here you're especially one of the especially one of the first guests that's, that's amazing right. no no the no, first the first no you are number one absolutely number one. number one yeah the first guest and my homegirl from dc and um, just so happy that you're here. You're one of the most amazing people I've known here during my time in Sweden. My sweet is like, oh, she's Swedish. You know, he just thinks you're great. So <laughs> nobody ever says that about me. I've been here long enough. Um, <laughs> you know, but what year did your wonderful life in Sweden begin? Okay. Um, we're going to have to go way back to the beginning. Yes, way back. <laughs> because, uh, my amazing life really didn't start into 79, but my first uh, trip to Sweden was back in 74 as an exchange student. Oh, wow. So my college had an exchange program with Sweden and in the, the place was um, it called Åsa, uh, Åsa Folkhögskola which was uh, just outside of uh, Katrina Holm. It's kind of, it was like in the middle of Fleen and Katrina Holm, if you know uh, that Southern part of Sweden. And um, so- right, We're gonna have to get a map, but if you say Southern part, like Sweden is kind of like California. It's very long. Yeah, it's, it's like California. In fact, one of the, one of my um, presentations when I was in school was to, put Sweden in the map of California yeah. because uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the state itself fits right into Sweden or it, it's very uncanny it's very long <laughs> but 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 um, I would say um, well you know where Stockholm is right so if you think um, maybe uh, an hour and a half uh, drive from southwest of uh, of Stockholm. That's where where I went to school. Now, what's the name of your university before you get back on? Because that's a great way. I mean, 
how many people come to Sweden on exchange? A lot, but how many African-Americans? I don't know. Well, that was actually, I was the very first one. So there's been a lot of firsts. Um, Ooh, Wilmington yeah. College is in Ohio. And I have no idea of, of how things work now, but back then in the 70s, when I started, uh, they had an exchange with not only Sweden, but they had an exchange with Malaysia. So we had students from Malaysia. We had uh, students from Germany, from Switzerland uh, and Africa. So um, this exchange with us, uh, I think that most of the people that came in from Africa, they came in on scholarships. Um, so, um, and the guys from Malaysia were also on scholarship. So I joined the international club, of course, when I got, <laughs> when I started and I met the uh, Swedish exchange student. Um, my intentions at that time, I was going to France because I, I, I studied French and I wanted to go to Paris. That's where I wanted to study, but we didn't have an exchange with Paris. And when I checked into it, it was just too expensive. I did not have those finances because I myself was on, on scholarship at the school. So that was like out of the pocket money to, to study in France, yeah. which I didn't have. So, yeah. so uh, when the opportunity presented itself that I could apply for the um, program in Sweden because of my contacts within the international club, then I applied and was accepted. And of course I was the first black person to go over to Sweden. And, wow. and I was uh, an anomaly when I came here to Sweden. Everyone, I mean like at that time, back in the middle of the seventies, Swedes did not speak English, not the way they do today. Mm -hmm. They studied English, but no one spoke it. No one, if you ask them a question in, in uh, English, then they would shy away. Mm -hmm. Not like that now, absolutely. It's not like that now. Now the Swedes think that they are the best English speakers. You know, they don't want to stop speak English with you, you know, I mean, Swedish with you. They're like, we're taking this yeah. in English. <laughs> yeah, so, um, like I was saying, I, I came on the exchange and that was back in 70, um, 74. So I completed, are you guys still on? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah we're still here, don't worry. When, um, when I finished that uh, year, I went back home and finished my degree because I, this school that I was in here in Sweden was, um, it was very politically oriented and I wanted to work in DC politically, but as a diplomat, that was my goal. And so I, I, once I finished uh, school, then I started working at um, Internal Revenue uh, Office of International Operations because in that way I could be sent out and get a little bit more international experience, which was my goal. Oh. I, I didn't realize the IRS sent people around the world to do oh, yeah, yeah. tax things. That's interesting. Uh, only the revenue agents got mm. to go out. So it, this was like work your way up to being a revenue agent. Uh, so, and then you could travel. And that was my goal to do that. Uh, but as it turned out, uh, I went on vacation back in 78 
because I had a, a, a host family, all of the exchange students have a host family. And my host family, they were very kind people. Uh, Oscar and Sia, <laughs> very Swedish names. Uh, they uh, wanted to take me on a trip uh, either to Germany to see my brother or we would take a trip to the north and see the midnight sun uh, and cross the Arctic Circle. And I opted for that. Yes. And on that particular vacation, that's when I met my husband-to-be. So uh, we started a, um, I would say, a romance uh, while I was there that week. And it ended up uh, when I went back to the States because I was only on vacation. And then we started uh, calling. We would call each other like once Gloria, did your Swedish family know him or? My, yes, uh, my uh, host family's daughter, uh, the daughter of my, well, let's say like this, my husband-to-be sister worked in the company that my host family owned. Mm. So, and that was how, because when we were gonna go up north, we were gonna, you know, visit them and um, visiting them, that's when uh, my husband-to-be, I have to say that, um, we actually just formed an attachment right away. He was so curious about me and, um, and he was pretty good looking. <laughs> hey, and you knew he was a nice guy and from a nice family, yeah. I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? You felt like you could yeah. go for it. Exactly. So, um, but then, you know, it was, it, I went back home and, um, and finished up, um, well, you know, I was at work, so I was just on vacation and we just communicated basically letters and telephone because at that time there was no internet or anything. Girl, that like telephone that. must have been expensive. The bills were very, very expensive. So uh, he came over to visit. <clears throat> he stayed with me for a month in DC and met all of my family. And, you know, and it was like, this can't go on. And so I said, I know this is, we can't continue traveling back and forth to visit each other. So we decided we would get married, which is what we did. He came back. Now was, there, was there any consideration that he would move to Washington DC or? Uh, at that time, no, um, basically because when we got married, you know, everything was just, what is he gonna do here in the, in, in the, in Washington? He didn't speak very good English. No, I get it. I so, get it. So, so wait a second. Wait, let's go back. So okay. you are you in your relationship, you were speaking mostly Swedish Swedish the yes. whole time. Oh yes. wow. That is amazing. Yeah, because I when I went to school the, as that year as an exchange student, I got three months intensive Swedish. Oh. And that was what I needed, you know, mm -hmm. so. Uh, and Gloria's smart. And we know, we already know she was on university at scholarship. I'm guessing it wasn't athletic, not that you weren't athletic. No, no, it was only on grades. I was. Academic, uh, you're smart, I know. Academic, yeah. So back then I could say I was smart. I'm still okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, yeah that general knowledge, I try and keep up with it at least, yeah.
but I'm sure your I'm sure your Swedish is like much much better now. Yeah, my she's fluent. She's fluent. Yeah, I, I'm pretty. Because she's fluent with us. With she speaks like a native Swede, and uh, and beyond that, um, she's adapted the culture and the mentality. That's why my husband was like, she's Swedish, you know, because it was something. Oh, I had a dinner, a lunch for my mother when she came. Yeah, and you came, and I think it was at something, and I don't know. Somebody said you want coffee and. The way you answered in Swedish, you know, my husband said, oh, that's so Swedish, because Swedes are obsessed <laughs> with coffee. And I forget, and I think you even forgot where you were because you said it in Swedish. You were just like in your groove. And, um, and I yeah. admire that about you, because not only are you Swedish, you um, embrace it wholeheartedly. And, mm. you know, it's the way to do, you're not, you have, I don't know, we're going to hear, but today, the, 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 DC woman that I met, um, what, 15 years ago, was totally like comfortable in her skin and where she was and had embraced it and was kicking butt, is how I look yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah. Kicking butt, I don't know Absolutely. I've, I've been comfortable here in Sweden. And, and, and I can actually say that that's because when I came, when I came to Sweden back in the 70s, the mid 70s, Sweden was a completely different country. They were very curious about foreigners. They were interested in foreigners, not, not the kind of um, interest like today. It's more like um the on that, you know, taking care of them, uh, you know, making sure that they are, but at, but then <clears throat> it was a general, a general, a genuine interest in learning to get to know the people about their background, where they came from, and, all, uh, and not, you know, why are you here? It was like, we're happy you're here. You know, it's more mm -hmm. like, we're happy you chose our country to come to, you know? Let me ask you two quick things, because you said in the mid seventies and you were, um, it wasn't you. It wasn't a common sight to see African Americans, but I know a lot of not. men. I know a lot of men fled to or took refuge in Sweden instead of go to the Vietnam War. Exactly. Did you meet any of them during that time? Of uh, oh no, I was see when I came to Sweden in um, I was uh, Katrina Holm and fleeing. Those are small, small cities here in in, in Sweden. <coughs> most of the refugees were in Stockholm. Okay. Some of them, you know, eventually when I moved to Stockholm and like where I lived up in the North, there were no black people. <laughs> now, you have to tell us about that. Now describe to Angela. So when you got married, did you get married in DC? And then you flew? got married in DC, right? Did you honeymoon or just go straight to up North? Sweden? We went straight up North. Now describe that. That's a honeymoon. Describe that. Well, it, honeymoon. We we actually did not take a honeymoon until several years later when we went to Paris. But because um, when my, when my because my husband, as soon as he got back, he had to go to work because <laughs> he was on vacation already for a long time. <clears throat> so um, no, but it was it. It was really not a big deal because Wilmington was in a small town. So I was used to small town because that was like the only place that I lived other than in DC. 
And I adjusted to small town life because you get to know people in a different way. And it was exactly the same when I moved up north. It was easy to make friends. It was easy to, you know, to settle in, to get to know the country, to, to take to take on the um, the customs and Gloria, the traditions geographically as well. Okay. And what was that adjustment? Because well, let me tell you, I got I, I came to um, the north in April, and April was just the beginning. You know, when the 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 days get longer and longer. So. By midsummer, I mean the the days were so light. It, you, it didn't get dark. You didn't get tired, and it was just amazing to experience that. But let me tell you, back then they still had real winters, and the cold. I put I had my long johns on already in August, girlfriend. Wow. And, uh, in October, September, towards the end of September, that's when the snow started. And we had a lot of snow. It used to snow so much, nothing compared to the way it is today with the climate change and all, but um, it was cold and crisp. But that was, that was part of, of what, it, what was interesting about Sweden, the contrast between when it was summer and then the winters. You got a real nice hot summer most of the times, even though it was short, but then you had the winter months and then the beginning of the spring is what they call the, the winter spring is what they call it up there. Vorvinte is the Swedish word for it. And it's, um, that's when, when, the, when the sun is out shining and melting the snow where the sun is so warm, you can actually like, if you have like a, a deer skin or something, you can put it on the snow and, and just lay in the snow and, and, you don't, and you don't get cold. Why would so, you have a deer skin? Well, you wouldn't want to lie down directly in the snow, of course, because you would get wet. <laughs> Because that's a reindeer country, Angela. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm, you know, <laughs> Germany is not as far north and <laughs> it it used to snow here a lot too, but now yeah. it doesn't either snow. Yeah. I know a lot of Germans have bought cottages over here in Sweden. Huh. That it's, it's, a, it's like their place, like um, Swedes go, the Swedes will go down south to the southern part of Sweden, or they'll go to Italy or Spain to buy summer places. The Germans buy summer places in Sweden instead. They love the nature. <clears throat> they love the nature. I'm not really a nature person, and that's not, not why I moved to Sweden, really. Uh, I'm not a nature person at all. I, can, I wouldn't say that. Um, but but, so uh, your, but first, country. your first um, winter, you got through it. It was dark and cold. You got through it. How long did it, you were already conversational and functional in Swedish. How long before you got a job that first year when you moved over? Oh, girl, I got a job right away. And, and re let me tell you, because I, I came in April. I started my first job in June. I started working the first um, the first time at uh, it's called Lulio Stats Hotel. I think it's still there. <clears throat> they need it, and and the reason why I was able to get a job just like that because 
this is like 19, the end of 79, beginning of 80. And at that particular time, it was, Sweden was, you know, becoming more and more international and they wanted someone that spoke English. So uh, one of the companies that they were starting was in the US. So they wanted me because I was also American. And then they had like uh, a sister company in France and I did speak a little French at that time. Uh, because that was what I learned. It's all coming together for you. You said you wanted to study in Paris. You'd already studied French. You end up honeymooning in Paris years later. Yeah. You're working for an American company in Sweden, speaking Swedish, speaking English. They got office in France. You're just like killing it. And yeah, this is like, I work very did. internationally. In fact, that that is one of the things that I've done uh, basically here in Sweden. I worked for international companies basically and um, I was able to use my English and still, even into my retirement, still using a lot of English at work and um, meeting a lot of international people from all over the world. And that, that, that has really carried me. It's been, that's what's kept me working. I worked until I was 67, so that- um, Congratulations on retirement, but wait a second. Thank you. I missed that completely. Did you have a party? You retired during the pandemic. Yeah, that's okay. why. So, okay, so we still have time to celebrate big time, but okay, so you worked for Lulio Stads Hotel, City Hotel. That was like, <clears throat> I only worked there. <clears throat> Let me tell you, because you lived here in Sweden, so you know. I worked there until I got pregnant because I got pregnant in October. And so the job in Lulio, they were going to be doing something else. And so I said, um, you know, the morning sickness, I think I'm going to have to quit. So I did quit that job. But in November, they advertised the job that I got uh, at this, um, the company was, uh, uh, they, they produced or manufactured eyeglasses. They were called rimless glasses. And they were first on the market with it. And that's why they expanded so, so much. So I saw that announcement. They wanted someone that spoke English and French. And I said, I can't not apply for this job. <laughs> and so I did. And, and it was like, I'm never going to get it. That was what I was thinking. So they called me directly. I went for the interview. And I remember I was still a DC girl. I came in my skirt and my high boots and very professionally dressed and everyone was looking. And then I learned later, they all told me when I uh, had had the interview and they would all say, well, what is the, we were all wondering, came in her high heel boots and, and skirt, where does she think she is kind of thing. <laughs> 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 it was so funny. But anyway, on the interview, this is what I wanted to tell you, Adrian. On at the interview, I told them, um, I really would like to have this job, but I'm but as it is, I just recently found out that I'm pregnant and I'm going to be, you know, having um a child in in the spring. So um I understand if you, you know, if that's not acceptable. They said, Oh my goodness. We love children. Oh, <laughs> so wow. it was like you don't even worry because you know you can you we still want you to start working for us. 
that would never happen today in Sweden. People don't even tell their employers that they're pregnant when they go for an interview. Now, you know what, Glory, um, DC woman, DC woman, I'm so sorry. And I'm so glad you said that because that is shocking to me because I would not know that that is the case because I have two, um, well, a, a daughter-in-law and a bonus daughter who are both working mothers. Yeah. So I didn't know that they were, that people, that generation has to be fearful. Tell me more what you know about that. How do you mean? I don't know. Well, you're saying in day like if, in 2021, you wouldn't go in and say to a job interview and say I'm pregnant. That's what you're saying. You wouldn't. Yeah, you here. wouldn't do that. No. I'm surprised that you're that. disappointed in Sweden because <clears throat> I still thought, you know, that they were all for moms. Well, see, the whole thing is, is that if you if you start on a job and you're not pregnant, and you've worked there a couple of months, and then the, and then you are pregnant, and you tell your boss. I mean, of course, they're not going to fire you. They don't do that here, and and they and you get the support. And you know, if you have to be home, if you know, for your checkups or whatever, and you know all That's about what the, in the popolatic, you know, the, the dads can get the paternity leave and all. Yeah, of that. yeah. That's what I witnessed. Yeah, and that is true. I mean, it wasn't like that when I had my kids. When I had my kids in the '80s, you only had like nine months of of maternity leave. To, and and now you have a year and a half if you you know want so it's a big what is it like in Germany and I know anybody in the states says when you say only nine months they're falling off their chair I know <laughs> I, I think you you get um, two years two of years? Um, yeah family leave so if it has to be split yeah it has mm -hmm. to be you can split it between the husband and the wife so. Mm -hmm. You know, if the husband wants to take a year and the wife wants to take a year, they could do it at the same time or, you know, make it go out over time. But yeah, it's, it's two years. Yeah. And I know well, here good. in Sweden as well that you can take it up to the child is how old? I forget. Um, until uh, until they're 11 or 12, you, yeah. you, you can you have uh, the possibility to take leave, but you only have full pay. Um, I think it's like uh, the first year and mm -hmm. a half, or maybe just maybe just a year. I'm not oh, really wow. sure. Uh, but you know that would have never happened in the states. I don't it would never happen in the school. states. Be lucky if you have like a month or two months off. But I mean, even you going <clears throat> into a job interview in the states, I don't care what year it was, and saying I'm pregnant, um, and they and them saying, "Oh, we love kids." You know, I shouldn't say that. But that's not the stories that we hear. So not every company no. is the same. You know, I work for small companies where, with female bosses and they've been fantastic. But mm -hmm. so you so you so you started when you were pregnant. You had your your your, your maternity leave and you loved the job and you kept working after. Yeah, I, I stayed there at that company for like almost 10 years. <laughs> so I actually had both my children while I was working there. Wow. It was a, it was a pretty good workplace. It was. Now, what was and it in like? Fact, in fact, uh, I mean, <laughs> they even sent me to the U.S. to work for like uh, three months uh, because the um, the the woman that uh, ran that office, she eventually um, her husband got sick, 
and there was no one to run the office. So they sent me over to run the office. Oh, wow. Wow. So, how, was, how was that going back for three months? And that know. was really great. But then I had my little baby boy that was, you know, home with his dad and I was missing him so much. Um, I had the option of taking him with me. But at that particular time, I, you know, because the company was like out in Virginia somewhere. I don't remember now where it was. And my family was on in DC and I couldn't commute, uh, you know, leave like leave my mm -hmm. son with my mom, for example, and commute every day that didn't work. So he had to stay home with dad, but that was okay. I talked to them over the phone. So wow. yeah, that was, that was good. So um, basically my, um, uh, my a long story short, my life in Sweden started really back in 74 when I came over to study. And once I got married, and especially having a family, then you rooted. And that's why I'm still here. And how often did you go to the States with your family? Well, when, when the kids were small, we went because uh, we were living up in the north and that was really expensive to first get down to Stockholm. And, you know, so uh, those first few years, it was like maybe the family went over every third year, maybe every fourth year. <clears throat> but as the kids got older, then I would go by myself to the States. And um, so when, when we moved down to Stockholm, I went every year, once a year over. Um, because it was easier, you know, uh, and the kids were a lot older. <clears throat> you, you lived so in the you, north of Sweden. Um, could you see the Aurora Borealis all the time? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was a common thing. And, and I'm so happy because I understand that you can't see the, the, the northern lights as often now as you used to oh. um and i don't really and and they say because of the climate change but i let i have to i don't know adrian if i oh yeah well you're using it i didn't i don't remember if i told you this before but my first encounter with the northern lights i was coming i was driving home from lulio uh back to Boden, and it was winter time, you know, like here you see Sweden is real dark right now. <clears throat> and I was coming home and it was so dark and all of a sudden all of these bright lights come up in the, in the sky. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? Because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it before. Oh, wow. And I got scared. I said, oh my God, what is that? And they were dancing the way they are, you know, really pretty over back and forth across the sky. And I kept my, you know, I, you know, driving by myself. You, you, you're looking everywhere <clears throat> to see what's going to happen. And then I, when I got home, I, I told my, my because they eventually disappeared. They like zoom away. And, um, and I told my husband <laughs> all about my encounter on the road. And he says, oh, well, that's just the north wind you know the northern lights and uh, <laughs> and i said well what's that you know so he explained it all to me <laughs> wow that's my knowledge <laughs> now when back when you got married did you have to give up you didn't have to give up your american citizenship no you're no, an american no, no, no. citizen so that how come you didn't but i couldn't have to get swedish citizenship at that time 
Okay. The Swedish, you could get, uh, Americans could get Swedish citizenship and it started like in 2000 uh, because, and the only reason was because of the ice hockey. Um, really? Ice hockey. Uh, ice hockey. Yeah, because <laughs> they, because the NFL uh, demanded uh, citizenship, you know, to NHL. play in those, these, those leagues. And so, of course, you know, sports, they are the biggest influence. They, it's always, if it's possible to do it, you know, to keep the stars, then they do it. And if once they allowed hockey players to have double citizenship, then it was open for other Americans. I, I, didn't, I didn't do it uh, directly because I was afraid to, didn't know what was gonna happen. But then a, a couple of people that I knew um, did it. And so I think I applied in 2004. And you wanna know what? I wasn't even called to the castle to shake the king's hand. Uh -huh. I was very disappointed. I didn't, but I wasn't called. I didn't know that was a thing when I got mine. It wasn't a thing. I don't think right, my invitation got lost too. But <laughs> what made you, how did you know? You were like, I'm not giving up my American citizenship. You were like, no way. I know that was the whole thing. I didn't want to give up my American citizenship. So I have dual. And sister. Hmm. And so you I have know, dual too though. Yeah. I do. When I did it, it, was, it wasn't an option. I mean, an issue. Hmm. But I do remember at being asked at my, um, the first interview you have after you had the visa for a year if I wanted Swedish citizenship. And the first thing I said was, I'm not giving up American. And she said, you can have both. I was like, well, oh. Wait, they and asked you after a year? They're just like, well, after a year I had my visa. Well, because then she said, well, you can't do it now. She said, but you know, in a year you can apply and there's no guarantee. But yeah, it was two years. It was because I was, you know, I wasn't thinking about it. And um, so I just kept the paperwork and then after the year, filled it in, sent it in, and yeah, got it. Now I don't know. You hear different stories about how long it takes now. Yeah, um, I think even, even um, I mean, it, like when I applied, I, it was also that easy for me to just do it. But nowadays, I think you have to uh, be, I think it's after three years that you can apply for a Swedish citizenship. It's definitely not after one year. No. So your kids had um, American and Swedish passports from the beginning. Yeah. But I had to register the kids at the embassy. That's the practice. You registered That's them the at the practice. embassy. Now, when they were 18, did they have to say they wanted to stay Americans or they still have American passports? They still have American passports. And okay. the, the questions never come up. But at the, but they never. I never applied for social security numbers for them. But now, uh, you know, once you own your own place here, you're, the banks, they want to know if you have any other citizenship. So uh, they both have eventually gotten their social security numbers. <clears throat> Do you know if their American citizenship has been a problem for them as Swedes? We hear some stories well, about- Well, only, only in the sense that it's a, it's a hassle for them that they have to register uh, at the banks, you know, because uh, of the bank statements that go over to the U.S. <clears throat> if you own anything or if you have any money in the bank, that kind of thing. That's the only thing that's a hassle for them. 
Now, how American do they feel? Did you always have Thanksgiving growing up? You said no, not. Now, not why American. is that? Why is that DC woman? Did you, they not have Thanksgiving all the time? And oh, definitely. And we have definitely had a, a Thanksgiving and pancakes with syrup and and biscuits and I've carried go and go fourth, music from DC. Well, Fourth of July we haven't uh, um, celebrated here in Sweden. Juneteenth? No. I'm trying to you think. Remember, remember you, you remember, uh, this is like several years ago when you told me, when the first time you mentioned Juneteenth, and I said, what is that? What, what was that all about? Do you remember that? You had to tell me because, because, I and I was thinking about that when one of your questions was about the things that, um, I don't remember the question, but anyway, I noticed that there were so many things that happened that started happening once I'd moved away, like you celebrate this June 10th. It wasn't celebrated back in the 70s in D.C. Well, you know what? It was probably, but there's, that's okay because I know because my grandfather was from Texas and it's a Texas thing originally and whatever. But what, I don't, and I don't, having not raised any children out of my womb at all and nobody else's children, I don't know what it would take to have an American child in another country. So that's why I ask you. So it's, it's beyond mm -hmm. just food and holidays. Like, it is. Why do you think they don't feel, is it, is it down to the time amount of time spent there? Or... I would say definitely, I so they're both very aware and proud that they are, I mean, like they'll say, you know, well, my mom is from the United States, so I'm half American. That they, you know, own up to. And, um, but I don't think it's, um, I mean, if you have a child in another country and that child grows up as like a national of that particular country, then of course they take on the customs and you know the attitudes and so forth of the country that they're living in. My kids have always lived here in Sweden. Now I wonder, I have not met your kids, but do they, I would imagine they speak English with an American accent, that they have perfect English like yours. They don't have perfect literally English. Mother's mouth, literally mother's tongue, you know. Yeah, um, they they but they both of them speak fluent English, so it's not a Right, but I mean, like when people hear it, can they even hear American accent? I'm wondering because they got all that from you. I'm wondering if they, I think maybe you from don't my mind. from my son, they hear it more. My daughter, she she, I would say that her English is more international because she's also worked a little bit international internationally. So I think that uh, her English is more international than uh, my son. My son is is more. Yeah, because he's he he used to speak he used to speak English with his cousins in DC. So he, exactly. he has more yeah. of the of the American. Because I, I imagine and I wonder, I don't know if you can hear it in your own kids, but I, I imagine this happened to you. I meet Swedes and I can tell that they've got this huge American influence. Either they have an American parent, they study there or whatever, because it's like their English is they have an American accent. Mm -hmm. When most um Swedish, Swedes speak more British English or what, you know, they learn. They don't learn American English in They school. don't learn American English. You know, so that's why I just wonder with your kids, if somebody can say right away, oh, you know, wow, you're American or you sound like you're American. And mm. 
Probably with my son, but not with my daughter. I don't think so. And so your son remembers playing with his cousins and you've become, so I think it's fantastic that you've got three generations going, right? You've got the grandkids now. Mm, Have they, how, have they been to the States yet? My oldest granddaughter has been to the States twice. With you? She, yeah, both times with me. My son was with me as well, so. Now that's great because you've got that um, you've got that um, relationship with your granddaughter that when she thinks of DC she thinks of you. And yeah, and she you. thinks of her grandmother because she got to meet my mom before she passed as well. No, no she thinks of her great grandmother, which is amazing. No, her grandmother. Yeah. No, you're her grandmother. Her I'm her grandmother. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm her grandmother, so she got to meet my mother, her great grandmother. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that was really well, good. Now, what about mm-hmm. with your? Because um, I know, I, I that you feel totally Swedish, and was it like that from the beginning with his with your in laws? They totally took you in, and how? Because totally. you know, a lot of American women have a rough time. You didn't yeah. have. Any. I didn't have any trouble. In fact, my. Um, my um, father-in-law, he, he really, really was proud uh, of me being in the family so much to the extent that Carl's youngest sister was jealous oh, wow. and thought that he prioritized me more. Wow. And my, and my, and my son at that time more. I remember that. She's passed, so I don't want to speak no and I just wonder because that's family dynamics you know that can happen with your own siblings mm-hmm. or cousins yeah but family dynamics are interesting were you able to mend that oh yes 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 good. yeah so it was good it was good that's good and mm-hmm. what were so the times that you had your husband or children or granddaughter in the states did they ever witness or experience racism like we know how it can be <sighs> Well, they experienced it in the sense that if ever we were out, all of us together, they would always look at us, you know. Um, I'd never really paid any attention to whether or not it was the evil eye or not, because (laughs) nowadays here in Sweden, it's still that people look at you because you're different. And of course, they looked at us because we were different. And, uh, but I I actually never really cared because I knew that we were an interracial couple and people are gonna look at us. That's just the way it is, you know? And um, so it never bothered me. And- Did you get the same looks in Sweden? Say it again. Did you get the same looks in Sweden? Yeah, you get the same looks here in Sweden. So, and especially, like I said, I was like the only black, woman in the in Bowdoin. Do you know my uh, the, the the call sister, the one that I was talking about, her daughter worked at the hospital there in um, in uh, Bowdoin. And so <laughs> one day she came home and she says, um, do you know what happens with at work today? People were saying, oh, do you know uh, there's somebody that married a black woman that living here in, oh, wow. in Boone. Have you heard that? And so she says, yeah, I know. It was my uncle that did it. <laughs> so I know who she is. She's American. 
So now, did that make her a minor celebrity, or no, were people she was, in she bed? Was very oh, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was kind of like being part of the celebrity business. Yeah. So that's really so you were really so okay. So how? So here you are. You're thinking, okay, here I am from D.C. Up yeah. here, I'm the only black woman or person. The only black woman, because uh, at that particular time, the Swedes were adopting children from uh, Ethiopia, because that was um, during the, the war there when Haile Selassie was disposed. So <clears throat> a lot of people adopted children from Ethiopia. So there were three black children in uh, Odin. And one is, and, and my son are our best friends. I was gonna ask whether they're the same age as, as your yeah. kid. So, and, and were your, you don't count your son as one of those three black kids then? No, 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 he was. No, these were three kids from Ethiopia. Now, was your son treated any differently than they were? And I mean, I hope they were all treated well, but like. No, they were not all treated well. And, and that was when, because um, you did have one of those questions. Yes, my, my, my son experienced quite a lot of racism. In fact, um, there was just one particular couple, their children, had, they had two boys and the oldest boy was the one that had, you know, uh, got all got the others to gang up against my son. So, and this is 80s, you know. So what so, did you do? Uh, I mean, how did you uh, You know, this? here in Sweden, you talk to the teachers, the teachers call meetings, you know, uh, both parents uh, and, and, you know, they talk. It's talk here in Sweden. And, you know, at that particular time, I didn't know enough to take my son out of that school and put him into another school because that was not done. I mean, you, you went to school in your area. That was the way it was up there in the eighties. And I should have, if had I known better, I should have, you know, fought against, you know, that rule that they had to be in the school in their area and, and let him go someplace else because he, that 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 is something that scarred him for life so i'm sure yeah. it is it's heartbreaking to hear and i know heartbreaking to witness and i'm sure you were at your wits end and angela may not understand it to hear it but i know exactly what you mean when you say that's not how it was done mm -hmm. and that because that's that's something about sweden it's like if the that's rules. not how it was done it would have been a huge effing deal for you to um make it happen and, and then not to say anything against your family to even to get them to be like we're going to change they would be like that's not how it's done or you know what i mean i kind of yeah. understand what you're saying it would have been a huge and not that it would have been a it. big ordeal it would have been not that you would have had a but you didn't even know it was possible you know what no, i mean no no not that you weren't up for the fight and it's not the type of thing that somebody else would have come to you and said you know move him or mm -hmm. so no. No one did. No one even thought of that, you know, to try and get, let him go to another school. And I mean, it's not even not even the teachers or the counselors that they have recommended. You know, they all sit, put the kids down, talk to him. We don't do this. We don't say this. And you know, the pedagogy is that's what the way you do it here. Um, did what about work? those parents? 
the parents denied that their children would ever say anything like that. And we know they learn it at home, right? You know, they learn it at home, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so, what were you, what did you ask? Angela? Oh, I, I, what I want to know, I think you answered it was did uh, talking to the children work? No, it no, didn't work because That's... it followed him as, as, as long as that oldest boy was there, he got uh, teased and mobbed. Uh, so, um, no, and in fact, my, my, my uh, son had a very difficult time in school because of that. And he really had no friends. He had no friends. And that was a problem. My daughter, on the, on the other hand, never had any trouble. It was different for the girls. Different for the girls. Huh. What's the and age difference between the two? Three years between my two. Huh. Wow, that is really... I'm so sorry to hear that your son had a terrible time in school because yeah, school is did. the worst. I mean, it it's, is, it even is. when you're popular, school <clears throat> is the worst. Yeah, you know? it is. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know what? Um, how, so today your, your son is thriving. He's a father and that's behind him, right? Or yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's basically behind him. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it, it followed him way up in, into his adult life, actually, um, because when you're treated like you're not an equal, let's put it that way, then that follows you. It it destroys your self confidence and no matter what his parents, we, we tried all the time, you know, uh, to pick out all the things that he was good at and how the girls all loved him because of his beautiful brown eyes. And the boys were always jealous, you know, and would try and knock him down for that. <clears throat> and I mean, these things continued up until he started working and building up his self-confidence you know it was like as an adult building it up you know because he That's never what people it. don't understand they say sticks and stones don't break you know oh, my bones but words whatever that stupid thing was because it was so stupid it's like a come on words are everything and i hope it wasn't physical because i think sweden would put a line at that wouldn't they you can't be hitting like oh I he got into fights he got okay. into fights yeah he defended himself good he did yeah, that he yeah. had to defend himself so you know we don't know that that's any better now do we or for kids growing up like that in sweden i mean it's really really hard people just children still have that problem here in sweden um i mean it's sweden's not any different than any other place because kids will get mobbed in school you know um but now i mean here it's because of all the violence and i just want to say mobbed mobbed means bullied mobbed bullied. Yeah. means bullied is all but yeah um yeah, so what, what were you saying the violence is a lot more violence now or there's a lot more violence now i mean i mean you've got kids 13 years old going out shooting other kids it wasn't like that i mean you would never you would never pick up a stick or something back in the 80s to hit a kid that you wanted to hurt you know, you'd probably just knock him down or kick him or something like that. But it was never a question of 
taking something to hit them with. You understand what I mean? It was not like <clears throat> that kind of violence. They didn't exist back then. Now, when did you, okay, so this happened <clears throat> in London. When did you all, did you, as a family, did you all eventually, because your, your husband's career was in Bowdoin. Yeah. Did, did you all eventually um, leave Bowdoin together or? Um, we all moved down. We all moved down together. Um, I moved down uh, because <coughs> my, my husband uh, retired back then because my, my husband's older than me or was older than me. So he retired. My daughter was going to start um, high school and my son was going to start. He just finished high school. So it was the perfect time for the move because my children wanted to move south, basically, is the, the, the major reason why we moved or the, the final inspiration that we moved down because I wanted to move back to the States at that time, but I couldn't get a job. So I applied for a job in Stockholm at um, KTH and got the job there. So- Which is the Kungliga Technical, Kungliga Technical which is the Royal College. Oh, or... Royal Institute of Techno Technology, Technology is called in English. Yeah. So that's not, that's not a bad place to be working, girl. You always get these good jobs. What were you doing there? <laughs> I was working as a project administrator. So, and that was fun. And I, and I really, really developed a lot of other skills there. Yeah, and that job, was it all Swedish? Or they wanted you because of your international languages? Well, well, this was basically both. You, had, you couldn't get the job if you didn't speak Swedish back then. <clears throat> so I had both, so that was no problem. Um, so you guys moved to Stockholm. Yeah, so we, we all moved to Stockholm. I moved before uh, the family because we wanted the kids to finish up school, you know. So I came down before, like in, in, um, in the fall of the, of the year that they moved down. So, um, yeah, what was the question? I don't remember. <laughs> well, no, so you moved to Stockholm. So you came down first, you got the job, your husband was retired. So you got a place to live and set everything up. Mm -hmm. And then your family came and then what? Like how long, like, then you started a whole new phase of life. You guys are all in Stockholm. Yeah, it was kind of like a whole new phase. My, my son was was really good in, in um, Fridrott, what's that in English? Um, track and field. I was going to say was, sports, but it's a spe specifically yeah, track and field. Good to know. Track okay. and field. Because mm -hmm. he, he did the 100 and the 200 meters. And he was like number three in all of Nor Norrbotten, you know, in all of Norrbotten. <clears throat> That's, That's like a region, uh, a big region, a region within okay. the, in the north. And, um, and so we wanted him to develop those skills. So that was one of the first reason why we moved down. And the second was my daughter said, as soon as I finish uh, high school, I'm moving to Stockholm anyway. So it was like, okay, well, let's get them all settled into Stockholm. So that's why we moved uh, because my husband was flexible and I'm the only one that needed the job. Was so, it hard for him to leave? He, lived there he eventually time. started working part-time because you know he had to have something to do. He didn't know anyone down here. But he made friends and, and so did I at work. And, and, you know, my daughter, no problem. She, she was also very interested in sports. She played um, 
when she was up in Boulder, she played, she was into basketball, handball, and free draw, track and field. And um, so she did that. So when she came down to Stockholm, she continued uh, basketball. So now, she, she did that. You said you made friends at work. Did you know about the American Women's Club then? How did you? No, no, I didn't know about it. In fact, um, when I first moved down, I knew nothing about anything. Uh, it was, well, I have to tell you this story. I, I know you you know this story, but Angela doesn't. Uh, do you know the uh, the Little Rock Nine? You know yes. those, this, yes. this group. Uh, so one year when I was still living in Bonin, I, um, <laughs> Gloria was the Gloria was is the is one of the Little Rock Nine that lives here in Stockholm. So she was on a there was something that was uh, they had her on TV to interview, and of course they took up they you know took the questions about the Little Rock and all that. <clears throat> and I saw her on TV, so I wrote to the TV uh, station and asked and said. I saw this person, she's American, I'm also American, and I'd like to get in touch with her because I'm like the only American up here and it would be nice to know some other Americans. And so the TV um, uh, channel, I don't remember if it was uh, the news on, on channel one or channel two back then, but they gave her my information to her. So she got in contact with me and said, well, if you're ever in Stockholm, you know, look me up. So, and so when we moved down, that is exactly what I did. I looked up Gloria. To now that's a very American thing to say, but she meant it, huh? Yes, yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. So, through her, I got to meet other American women because there were quite a number of American women here in, in, um, in Stockholm. So through them, I got knowledge of the American Women's Club. And I think you were the one that got me to join because I hadn't joined. When I was president, I was like, bring my girls on to listen. So how did that feel finding Americans finally in Sweden? Finally, you're like, I got, I'm not the only- I had, I, well, I'll tell you one of the, the things about when I moved to Stockholm, it was like, I'm finally not the only one. Although by then there were other black people in, in Bowdoin as well. Um, because when I was working for immigrations up in the North, um, we had lots and lots of, of immigrants that moved into Bowdoin, Luleå. So um, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was really, really, um, I just started getting out more and, and, and then uh, through this group, I was involved with the English Binky Club. I met those people and uh, uh, American Citizens Abroad was another club that, um, that we joined, that I joined. So I joined them all just to meet other Americans and, and speak English with them. So did, we, did you leave a lot of friends behind in Bowdoin and how was it, was it hard to keep in touch? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I still keep in touch. In fact, I was up this summer uh, and, and, you know, met up with my friends up there. So I still have them. Because Angela and I did an episode on friends. The, the friendship. Yeah, friends. 
Mm-hmm. And some people say it's hard to make Swedish friends or friends in Sweden. It is. It is. And it's, it's much harder in the big cities. The smaller cities, it's, it's easier, much easier. And in fact, that's the only reason why um, I'm as Swedish, like you said, that I am. Excuse me. Because I had lots of Swedish friends. And um, it was just, um, in fact, and I would say that it, it was to my advantage that I was only with Swedes because I learned Swedish better. My Swedish, uh, the language was better, you know, got better over time. Um, knowing the Swedish way of life got better over time uh, because I was interacting with Swedes and not interacting with Americans. Most Americans that I know down here in Stockholm, they basically stay stick with each other. You know, it's not like they have a lot of Swedish friends. Some have, of course, Swedish friends. A lot of Americans down here are married to Swedes, so of course they have Swedish friends as well. But coming as a single person to to Stockholm, for example, I think you're pretty isolated because if you're living in an apartment, people do not knock on each other's doors and say, hey, do you want to come and have coffee or something like that? You don't do that. I wouldn't want to be personally, but I know what you mean. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in Stockholm if somebody's knocking on my door. You know, I'm like behind the people, but I know what you mean. I know. I know. What you mean. Oh my and God, how how dangerous could Stockholm be? Not, on. you know, as dangerous <laughs> as anybody place if it's the wrong person on the other side of the door. But I'm just would be like, who is it? That type of thing. But yeah. um, I know what you mean. In a smaller community, you wouldn't necessarily think that it would be weird because it would be right. Yeah, you know. In fact, when I first moved down to Stockholm, people were still—they weren't locking their doors. And every time when I would say, "Oh, lock the door," you know, because I was still very DC girl, you know, and lock the door. I don't want the doors open. Anyone can walk in. Well, who's gonna walk in? They say. Well, who knows? You don't know who's gonna walk in, you know, because that kind of thing sits with you. Well, wait a minute. So in the 80s, they didn't lock the doors in Stockholm? No, in the, in, oh, definitely not, not in Bowdoin either. You, people didn't lock their doors. I don't okay. know when it started. I, I mean, I've always locked my door, <laughs> no matter, you know? But I, I, I really, I couldn't even tell you when people started locking their doors. Well, what, I don't know. What Swedish traditions do you love that like you can't imagine not having in your life now? Like, I know you like a good fika. Fika's coffee. I know you like your coffee. Yeah, I do like the coffee. The fika um, is more than just having a cup of coffee. It's a taking a break. You're sitting down. Exactly. Treat, you're having something somebody made, home-baked maybe. Yeah. If you go to a cafe, it's a nice But even you can thing. even have the, the, the fika without, uh, you know, like at work, you have just a cup of coffee uh, without. But it's mandated at work, and it will be 20 minutes. You got to get off your desk and come. Right, it's like two no, times. No, 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 no. Where I've seen it, yeah, because it's like, oh, where I the one couple of times where I had some office work, it was like you had to come, because like everybody else wasn't working. It was like you weren't going to be the one person still right. You had to come, and it wasn't like, and it was like a little bit of social, but it would be like two times a day. You had a morning one, you had the afternoon one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was a nice little break. But it's it was a nice break. Long. It's a very nice break. 
And I was like, I don't drink coffee. They're like, we got all kinds of tea. And it's like, great. You're like, it's, there's no excuses. You're like, you can't get out of it. You know? <laughs> what, what other culture, um, traditions or Swedish things? Well, I, you know, nowadays, I don't, I don't even think about it. But I would very much miss uh, um, Midsummer Because oh, that's yeah. very, very Swedish. And it's a lovely time. Well, what, a lovely is, what do you do tradition. on Midsommar? What do you do? Uh, when my kids were small, we were always, uh, you know, out at the someplace where you you put up the maypole and decorate it, and you dance around it. And there was always like small games and and um, and things to buy, you know, candies and hot dogs. How did you decorate it? And what did you have for the people who've never seen it before? How do you decorate the maypole? And what do you have? On okay, your well, the maypole is is tr the tradition is is that you go out and you pick like seven different types of flowers. So girls have that in their hair and um, you these flowers, you tie around, exactly, that's a, yeah, exactly. And you tie these flowers in ribbons around the maypole. Uh, and then you have like that round thing that you had usually those are the ones that are hanging on the sides and also made a flower and uh, kind of like branches that you decorate the flowers. Wow, you know what? Yeah. I remember doing that as a kid, dancing yeah. around the maple, uh -huh. seriously. And you wanna know something, in Washington at the school where my sister and my cousin went in DC, during elementary school, they had a my a maypole, and I don't know what they did because I, 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 I but it was I, May first. We did it, too, but it was May. Yeah, 1st. you had it too. You had the ribbon, and you went around. We had that. Uh -huh. It was May first. Had nothing to do with midsummer. Exactly. Had I nothing think it was to do with May first. May first. What happens May first? But anyway, yeah. So, yeah. so but don't we didn't have it at my school, but it, but but they had it. What did your son do? Don't the boys do something? No. You know, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking like, okay, we know Lucia and Christmas comes, but there's uh -huh. a boy. Lucia, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think I remember learning in Swedish for Immigrants that there's a boy, like he's like grassy, like the girls have the flowers, but the boy is more grassy. And this is going back to the pagan stuff. I don't know, but that's when they do the, um, you can probably sing it. Small, 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 small. But but that doesn't they don't dress up in any of those. No, but that's one of the things you do in midsummer, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you have the grown-ups still dancing around and singing, but those those midsummer songs are kind of special, you know, like you were saying, the small girudana. Um that's yeah, a little frog, that, and then you have to like hop around like a little. Yeah, you hop around the, like a frog, and you go quack quack quack, go quack quack quack, you know, around the midsummer song. And what's yeah. the food that you have in midsummer? That's that's traditionally served in midsummer. Well, I don't do any special midsummer because a lot of times, a lot of people will have like. Uh, the kind of the same kind of foods that you have at Christmas, you know, um, all that lacks, you know, the, in the what's that? Salmon. Salmon. Pickled, pickled salmon. Yeah. Christmas, you're going to have ham. 
midsummer uh-huh. well, i don't know what you're gonna have no um, you have like the same do. kind of stuff you have at at christmas you it's, know that the the smoked and and in like the salmon and so forth well you yeah. know what gloria no you, you shared so much with us and we're gonna go soon and i don't want to ask you anything that you haven't already shared but is there anything else that you want to share because you've been so open and i'm so appreciative is there anything well there was one other thing that one other topic that you mentioned that we might discuss which might take more than a few minutes how much time do, can we take? Uh, i don't know give it 10 15 minutes okay 15 minutes. politics and the situation in the u.s oh yeah. girl you're right Okay. I really want. I really did want us to talk about that. Let's talk about simply it simply because I don't remember your question now. What you'd ask, but well, one of the I things know that you're very aware of what's going on in the states, and yeah. you and you say talk about politics, whatever you want to talk about. What do you mean? Well, now I'm specifically the politics of the United States today. One of the things that. I, I wanted to bring it up at this meeting simply because you're going to be reaching out to a lot of different people. And we nowadays talk so much about this, the, um, the separation, you know, how um, there's such a divide in the United States. Now, the divide has always existed. It's just that Trump gave them a reason and a way to express themselves. And now the, the white supremacists are doing that. But the argument that is not being discussed, and I hope the media eventually decide to ta- start talking about it, is democracy. Mm-hmm. How the right, especially from the Republican side, which Trump also instigated, this whole thing about eliminating democracy, we talk a lot about that, but no one is talking about what's gonna happen. Let's say the Republicans come back to into power and they decide we don't need all these, we don't need a justice department, we don't need you know these lower courts, we don't need all of this. And then people, you know, it's just you know, club through, they, they decide, someone decides we can change the constitution and changes can be made. The United States can become a dictatorship. Those kinds of things aren't being discussed. What will the United States look like if it's a, a dictatorship? Yeah. People are about that. That's very, a very important uh, question. That I, that I don't believe that, I, okay, maybe our politicians are thinking about it, but they're not speaking openly not enough about, about it. it. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, you're from DC and they, we had this attempted coup yeah. on January 6th. Yeah. Um, how did that make you feel being so far away from home and that being your hometown? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. I was shocked. And at the same time, I mean, just the incidents that happened up to that point where Trump, you know, uh, brings in the national in the military to disperse the, you know, the protesters that were out there yes. and walks across the street just to be filmed holding a Bible. I mean, these things were just happening. I mean, 
so much was happening in the United States during that time, which it's it was scary. It was scary. But my my major concern during that time was what's going to happen if he's reelected when he's already started on this road to a dictatorship? Because the only people that were his his um, uh, role models were were Putin, you know, Kim Jong Un, yeah. Erdogan, Erdogan, you know, <laughs> and now the Brazilian guy. What yeah. his name is? I don't remember. Bolsonaro. I mean, Bolsonaro. Those were his role models, and that's what he wanted for the United States. People aren't talking about how are things in these countries where there are dictatorships. The, the man on the street is not talking about that. Well, they're not good. They're not good at, at all. In, in fact, Bolsonaro is under charges yeah. um, because they say that his, his um, I guess, the Congress there determined yeah. that he didn't do enough for during the pandemic. They exactly. should be done with Trump also. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like the same thing, you know? So I'm, I'm, that's my biggest fear for the United States is that they're thinking, you know, oh, it can never happen here. Well, what, you know, the whole, the first thing was that Trump put his people in Justice Department, you know, in all the courts, he's put his people, yes. you know, and this is how you start dismantling democracy. You have your people in all of the, you know, institutions where decisions are made and how things are, you know, run. You have your people in there. Democracy is going to just fly right out the window. And we're not, they're not talking enough about that in the States. No, no, they're definitely not <clears throat> talking enough about it. And I think that many people, especially Americans that live outside of the U.S., they believe that somehow this won't have any effect on them, that they're oh. fine. They're just living yeah. in another country, but it's yeah. not true. It's America not true. has an effect on everything. Um, exactly. I, and what happens in the United States, it, it causes, you know, all kinds of reactions around the world, mostly recessions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is this is true. Or yeah. or it stimulates uh, far right violence in other mm. countries because they yeah. they see that there's an example or oh look what they're getting away with in the United States. So mm. we should try to do the same thing mm. um, for sure. Everyone, uh, the 2020 midterms is um, it's about a year away right now. But yeah. um, Americans overseas can start to request their absentee ballots for the elections in next November at votefromabroad.org. Um, please vote. It's super important. And if you don't think that your vote counts, um, we know Adrian and I know that it it does. I mean, it we, does. We yeah. we're one of the reasons overseas voters are one of the reasons that uh, that. We won Georgia and also that um, Joe Biden won the election. Yeah. So and DC woman knows that. And I respect that because we always check in with each other, make sure we vote. Like, did you get your ballot? Did it get yeah. in? Yeah. Am I telling you, or did you cut, did, did your kids vote? You know, and now that I know that they've got social security numbers in the banks, you know, they can vote. They've already, the, the states knows who they are. Some people are afraid to vote because they think whatever your kids are already, yeah. you know, it, that's a hard thing to make people who've never lived in the States really buy into voting. But if that's one thing that, you know, 
any mother or um, father of a child born, of American child born overseas that's never lived in their home voting state, that's a hard sell sometimes. But listen to what DC woman and Angela were just talking about, the future of the free world may depend on your your child's vote. Mm -hmm. So um, by all means do that. And thanks so much to our very, very, very first guest, personal friend, Ashiro, somebody who's had an amazing life in Sweden, someone who speaks Swedish better than I ever can, who my husband thinks is so Swedish. Just love you to bits. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on and talking so Thank you for having me. It's been good. It was, I like this one. It's very relaxed, you know, so. It's relaxed. And um, I think, Angela, do you feel like you learned anything about Sweden? Oh my God, I think I learned everything about Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) You don't don't talk that much about Sweden um, in in this level of detail, so. I can't. I was going to say, because I learned some stuff about Sweden. but you had me at the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. So I'm, I'm now I have to go to Sweden. Oh to see yeah, this. you have to go up north and see the Northern Lights because they're so beautiful to see them. I mean, it was like I could go out on my porch and, and whenever oh, it was, gosh. you know, when they were out and, and, and that's really lovely. Nowadays you have to, uh, they have like trips that you go to the north just to, track the uh, northern lights yeah but, all i uh, all i need now is um an ice hotel and yeah. i would be it would be perfect yeah <laughs> i've been to the ice hotel and it's it's worth the trip Definitely that i did and if you want to sleep on reindeer honey angela that's the place to go that's yep. the place to go you can I sleep do. on those reindeer skins <laughs> <laughs> well hey joe everyone thanks for listening okay Thanks a lot for having me. Bye-bye, you girls. Bye. Or should I say, hey, son. Um, Hey, Dor. Okay. Hey, Dor. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.